0: This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips.
1: Good morning and welcome to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. This program airs every Sunday morning and focuses on individuals and organizations working to make the South Coast a better place to live and work. Sadly, the opioid crisis is still with us in Massachusetts. According to state health records, opioid-related deaths in 2022 Total more than 2,100 in 2023. Preliminary estimates show we're right there. uh, Some 2,000 plus opioid related deaths Mm. last year. Uh, Despite all the education, all the warnings, all the steps taken in the last few years, the grim numbers are still with us. Here to talk about the opioid crisis in our area is Carl Alves, the chief executive officer of PACA. People Acting Against Chemical Addiction in New Bedford. Carl is also affiliated with South Coast Behavioral uh, Health Hospital in uh, Dartmouth. Carl, it's good to see you again.
0: Oh, it's good to be here with you.
1: Well, Carl, the number of deaths are still quite high statewide. Even one is obviously too many, but um, we're still getting over 2,000 people dying because of overdose, using uh, opioid drugs, some... uh, laced with fentanyl and other mm-hmm. terrible kinds of toxic uh chemicals um what's some of the reasons why i mean i, I we, we we've been talking about opioids now for a good long time <laughs> long
0: time long yeah. time uh, sadly and it's, and it's evolved a bit yeah um back in the early 2000s it was more about prescription drugs um, the community came together and changed some policies. Healthcare providers have changed that. And so now the prescription system is better and there is less um, addiction as a result of that. Unfortunately, the cart- cartels have gotten better too. And so they've been more sophisticated in the development of their uh, drugs. And so, as opposed to the organic heroin, Everything's pretty much fentanyl now, and it is uh, chemically based, so there's no growing seasons, there's no picking, it is all done in a lab, and they're a lot of times putting it in pill form, um, so people think they're taking a prescription that they bought off the street, but it's actually, uh, you know, a drug, uh, you know, illicit drug dealer um, source. Yeah.
1: And, um, And here in New Bedford, in Greater New Bedford, uh, it is, the tentacles of the cartel have—I think they've always been here, really—but uh, they've. There's again, a presence.
0: There's no question. Yeah. There's a presence. I mean, it, it's a it's a big business, uh, especially now that everything is so chemically driven, because the profit margins are just so extraordinary. Um, and unfortunately, <clears throat> the substances themselves are becoming that much more addictive. Um, there are new, as you mentioned in your opening, there are other chemicals that are being put into these drugs, such as xylazine, which is an animal tranquilizer. Now that's emerging, uh, with new health related challenges because it's, uh, it wasn't designed for humans. It has a negative effect. Big abscesses, people that are, um, you know, big wounds that are just emerging because of the, The drug, the side effect of the drugs, and it's creating new health concerns for folks. Um, And so, you know, the ready availability of it, um, the potency of it, um, and the nature of the addiction to it are just kind of feeding. And so that's why we're seeing that those numbers. We're also seeing a number, a, a, a lot of numbers of non-fatal overdoses, and that's partly uh, because the numbers could be significantly higher than they are. But there's a lot of outreach, there are uh, substances like uh, naloxone, which is a a reversal, so people aren't dying um, at a rate as fast as it could be. Uh, It's still unfortunate. Yeah. Um,
1: So, are you seeing all of that in New Bedford?
0: Yes. Yeah, it is. And I I, I think it's exacerbated because a lot of young people are affected. I mean, the the number one cause of death uh, for people under the age of 46, I believe, uh, you know, is is uh, overdose, uh, you know, and and that is tragic because we're losing a generation uh, of people and um, addiction is is difficult. But recovery is also real people are recovering. And I think we got to kind of talk about that as well. Uh, it doesn't have to be a life sentence, uh, but it's not, it's not going to be solved with a pill. It, it requires, uh, you know, support. It requires discipline. It requires a community, families, uh, to kind of, when somebody is addicted, uh, to recognize it, not be ashamed of it, but do something about it.
1: So, um, when I was still in the news business, I read a lot about fentanyl in my last uh, mm-hmm. uh, decade uh, of, of doing uh, news. And fentanyl has only become much more deadly, much more toxic. Absolutely. Uh, because of the chem. you know, the yeah. synthetic, synthetically produced uh, pills. Um, tell me, are, are the reversal drugs like uh, um, NAC- Narcan, oh, yeah. uh, are they... Can they work against these? Uh...
0: They do, um, but it might require more Narcan or repeated doses to get the same result as we used to have uh, in years past. Uh, and unfortunately, Narcan doesn't work against xylazine, which is the new substance that's added to fentanyl that extends the high, uh, but it also kind of paralyzes the system. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it's got some really negative consequences as a result.
1: Okay, So I know that you uh, at PACA and right. uh, others are working diligently on this problem every day. At PACA, your job is recovery.
0: We, I mean, <clears throat> we're a little bit of everything. We've got some prevention. We've got uh, youth services that are in the schools working with uh, great school departments in the area uh, to try to provide some positive resources. And when young people are struggling, I mean, people are struggling with uh, vapes. Uh, and, it, you know, that kind of stuff. Those are the precursors to, um, you know, other kinds of addictions. And, you know, so we're trying to um, help young people develop, the, you know, the positive resiliency so that they can address this in, if it, it shows up in their life. Plus, a lot of the young people are dealing with addiction in their home, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, that of a family member or, a, you know, parent, loved one. Uh, so, so there's that. We also do a lot of work with uh, folks that are on the streets, uh, that are experiencing homelessness, folks that are um, experiencing mental health related uh, conditions, and but th- our best work is in recovery, uh, trying to help people who want to make a change to help them make that change. And there's a lot of different options for that. It's not easy, but it is possible.
1: And of course, we've all we've all heard uh, in the past. Well, somebody is not going to take that path unless they want to. Um, well, How can we all help them along? Yeah, it's, well, it's I mean, easy.
0: you know, the, it, I've been doing this a long time. So, you know, uh, since uh, I uh, was a volunteer with the organization on the board in 91, and I've been there ever since, um, I think, you know, th- not everybody just sees the light one day. Sometimes folks need to feel the heat from the light in order to uh, <laughs> kind of uh, move forward. But regardless, I mean, we've got a, a really state-of-the-art um drug court program, so folks that are incarcerated uh, or in the criminal justice system have access to treatment, which is a great development and and working. I think the sheriff's uh, doing some great uh, work in terms of providing medically assisted treatment behind the wall, uh, helping people develop better habits or patterns or the supports that they need so that when they get out um they're they're more likely to be successful i think that um you know treatment providers they have access to treatment more than ever before um the the key is that there is no simple fix so just going into a treatment facility for a week or two weeks is not going to solve a problem. It is the beginning. It's like being in an emergency room. You get it set. You get stabilized. If you don't do the physical therapy afterwards, or you don't uh, do the medication afterwards, and stuff like that, you're going to have limited, uh, uh, you know, success. You're listening to Town Square
1: Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips, and my guest is Carl Alves, the Chief Executive Officer at PACA, People Acting Against Chemical Addiction. Uh, before we started this interview we were talking about what you feel is the number one issue for your yeah. population with people you work with and that's housing yeah housing is you know important for all of us including people uh, in recovery or attempting to get to to uh, uh, that state tell us about what well
0: I seeing. mean we're seeing you know more and more people becoming homeless because they're being displaced because they can't afford the current rise in rents, those types of things. Um, There are not a whole lot of permanent housing options for folks to kind of get what they need to stay uh, on the straight and narrow. And, you know, we're seeing an aging of our population. People are just getting older. We just had a case the other day of, you know, the the women and men in the 60s, 70s uh, that are living on the streets Um, and might have mental health issues or addiction issues. Um, but, you know, again, that undermines all the progress we're making in our community. There's so many great things with, you know, the the, the wind and uh, downtown and those types of things. We need to do, to do more for folks that are, are struggling on the streets because ultimately it is an economic development issue. Because if, if something were to happen, that could really undermine a lot of the... You know, in terms of violence, those kinds of things, it would be it would be very tragic and and difficult for our business community. So we really need to do something. All right. So what do we need to do uh, and who needs to do it? Uh, I I, I think we all need to do something. I think, um, you know, people I think we need local investors um, to open their homes and and partner with nonprofits to uh, create space for people in recovery. Uh, a lot of times, landlords don't want to touch it, don't want to take a Section 8, don't want to do these kinds of things just because uh, the, the perceived risk. Yeah. Um, and so we need to kind of find ways where landlords can be supported. We've done that in a number of uh, places where we provide support to the landlords uh, so they can do their landlord thing, uh, but also get support so that people can live there. And if people you know, make mistakes, as people do, um, then at least there's some positive support there. Uh, And if ultimately there has to be a removal, then, you know, they've got support for that as well. Try to reduce the risk of being a landlord. I think that because there's a lot of unrented apartments there's a lot of folks that don't want to rent because they don't want the aggravation of it at all. Um and and I think we're seeing a lot of outside investment, out of town investment, which is which is creates very much a transactional relationship with folks and that creates its own set of problems. This particular
1: circumstance you described. You yes. have some success stories with
0: that? Absolutely. I mean, we've run our, our step-up program since the late 90s. Um and You know, over that period of time, so many people, uh, probably about 80% of our our population, have gone on to independent living and, you know, taken over their units and lived productive lives. Many of them have become landlords themselves. Many of them have, you know, they've turned their lives around. Uh, Sometimes you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and that's the sweet spot where you can do the work that's necessary to live a life of recovery.
1: Okay, so, and I'm talking about really is these landlord situations. You want people to open their homes to help people get started on that road. Is that happening? Uh,
0: Well, it is happening in some some way. It's partnerships. It's partnerships with landlords. It's partnerships with uh, folks, the developers, uh, to kind of create space for people that are uh, moving forward. And we've got to look at alternative ways to, you know, um, house people, In a safe and uh, neighborhood-friendly way, um, one of the things I'd love to see is for us to create a recovery district, a section in town where we would just really concentrate— investment in terms of recovery homes where you know everybody in a particular neighborhood would be recovery focused recovery is a great thing you if somebody's in recovery they're good tenants they're not drinking they're not you know there's so many positive things and i think we need to embrace embrace those strengths so
1: the Healy administration; uh, she was on this week. Talked a lot about uh, housing, not so much about uh, addiction, but she, she obviously well, housing mental health is, is really, big on her list. Is uh, really a, a top priority. Um, I've also read where she is backing supervised consumption sites in Massachusetts. Um, now, I think we've gone through this here <laughs> in New Bedford. We've at least talked about it. Well, there's, there's been some motions
0: against it already. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, give give me the, the the argument for these sites because I think people are just afraid. I mean, you know, yeah. from the people on the ground here, we're just afraid. We don't know exactly. Right. what right. I
0: understand it. You see that. you see, and sometimes the behaviors yeah. that come with addiction are difficult. But what the consumption sites are, supervised consumption sites are, is just rather than getting high in a, a fast food restaurant or you know in in you know, a public bathroom, sure. uh, it is the safer place where there's uh, medical professionals so that we do that. In in places where they occur, they, they, there has never been, a, well, in many cases, it's less than 1%, if any, any uh, overdoses. Uh, so it's it's carefully monitored. Plus, it creates a venue where people can learn to trust, uh, get some supports, because what happens is people get moved along or they get incarcerated, and you know that sort of thing. Everything is very transactional, uh, and it takes time for people to kind of develop trust and belief in them, their own, their own selves, in order to do the work necessary. So it's an opportunity for connection. I mean, I, I you know it's not an argument that I make locally because there's so much opposition at this time, and I'd rather focus on let's 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 create more housing. And, you know, if that becomes an option later, it did. It's just like needle exchange. It was vicious, uh, not vicious, but, I mean, strong opposition to it in the mid-'90s. And then the state intervened and and made them legal, and we're we're seeing a lot less um, difficulty with people getting stuck by needles, HIV transmission as a result, that sort of thing. So, I mean, there are positive things that might seem counterintuitive. People might think, well, you're just enabling. Well, you're actually enabling relationships. Uh, and it's relationship that's going to help people kind of move forward. Um,
1: legislature, yeah. Any sign they're going to sign on to this thing at some point?
0: Uh, I, I I really don't know. I can't answer that question. I but I what I can say. Um, our local delegation: Chris Hendricks, uh, Tony Cabral, um, are, are real advocates for mental health on housing, trying to be. Um, Inclusive in their decision making and and trying to move forward. So I I think that there are a lot of different things that need to happen simultaneously. Um, And I'm confident about our our local delegation and beyond, not just New Bedford, uh, doing the right thing. Tell us about your role with
1: the South Coast Behavioral uh, Health
0: Group. South Coast Behavioral Health is, you know, I'm just a consultant with them and uh, work with uh, the team in the business development office. And and they've been very supportive in terms of creating educational forums, um, opportunities for the community to come together and uh, learn about mental health talk about and strategize uh, uh, different ways that we can make life better for folks. Um, We've seen an increase in the number of beds just recently, almost 200 beds at that facility, in which is relatively new. And um, Child and Family has also expanded with their uh, uh, Behavioral Health Center, uh, which has been tremendously helpful, especially for parents that are struggling with children with mental health. Uh, There's some real resources here. But again, uh, same kinds of problems is that, you know, short-term treatment and that sort of thing is helpful to minimize the, the crisis, but we need to kind of look a little bit longer term um, and and have more community-based options.
1: We haven't solved the problem, Carl, but it's no. good to, th- to talk. We're about
0: recognizing it. it today, and to thank you, you know, for bringing this forward, because the more we talk about it, the closer we get to better solutions.
1: Carl Alves has been my guest. He is the uh... CEO of uh, PACA and also affiliated with South Coast Behavioral Health in Dartmouth. Carl, good to see you again. And uh, we'll stay, uh, hopefully, uh, this time next year, maybe you can have more positive news. Yes. Of course. All right. Uh, Carl Alves, thank you. Stay with us. Town Square Sunday will continue in just a moment.